You're listening to the B2B Content Show, a podcast about the how, what, and why of B2B content marketing. The show is brought to you by Conversa, a podcasting agency that helps B2B brands start podcasts to connect with prospects, grow brand awareness, and create better content. I'm Jeremy Shear, and my guest today is Jack Scullin. Jack is content director at Noggin, a company that offers an enterprise-grade e-commerce solution for growing e-commerce brands. Jack, welcome to the show. Great to have you here. Thanks for inviting me. Glad to be here. So we have a great topic to talk about today, and that's how to structure and create longer-form written content. And what I like about this topic is that you hear so much these days about short-form content, right? Content needs to be bite-sized. People are only going to look at it for, you know, a second or two. And that, and, and I think there's a lot of truth to that, but there's definitely a place for longer form content as well, and specifically longer form written content. So, well, first, let me just get your thoughts on that, you know, sort of given the prevailing narrative of content needs to be short and bite-sized, what, what is the case to be made for longer form written content? Yeah, absolutely. So, the goal of long form content is primarily for brands to rank for target keywords that are relevant to their business, especially in a B2B environment. Typically, the keywords that B2B businesses go after are very, very competitive. They're very hard to rank for. And a lot of brands spend thousands, thousands of dollars a month on PPC campaigns to get to the top of Google and get that visibility for their brand for those particular keywords. And a solution to generate free traffic from uh, generated from the targeted keywords you're going after is to develop long-form content. And the reason you want to develop long-form content is several reasons. First is that there's there's been a lot of research and basically in in an SEO environment the way that SEO works is that SEO strategists have to kind of reverse engineer and study what is ranking and how Google is is giving particular pages priority in search rankings so what what research has found is that content that ranks on the first page of Google on average, is a is at least around twenty four hundred words. Mm-hmm. So that is a huge case for developing long form content because clearly Google prioritizes content that is in long form and in depth. And the reason that content that ranks at the top of Google is that length is because when someone searches something in Google, Google wants to serve the customer. So when someone searches something in Google, if they if that customer clicks on one of the top pages and instantly bounces and then tries to go to one of the other re- results, then that indicates to Google that that piece of content didn't answer their query. And that's what's called bounce rate. So that's mm-hmm. that's a factor for what what content ranks well and what content gets great engagement. And so with long form content the strategy is for a particular query that may be a broad query you want to figure out what are the what are the other aligning questions that that user may be wanting to learn about because you know a particular subject there's a particular root keyword may have dozens of different 
questions that are commonly searched. And when you develop long form content and you're trying to go after those very competitive root keywords, you can basically make it so that the piece of content that you draft is an ultimate FAQ guide or a piece of content that answers all the questions around that particular root keyword. So I, I, I hope that answered the question. Yeah. Can, can you give it. me you know, that, that there are a lot of great stuff there. Can you give us a, 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 an example of what you were just talking about? Like, what would that look like in practice? Sure. So if someone was going after a particular keyword search, something like, let's say, stainless steel, mm-hmm. you're, a, you're a company that, that provides stainless steel services. Well, you can develop a piece of content that answers all of these common questions around stainless steel, whether does stainless steel rust, what makes stainless steel stainless, or various various things that you'd have to research. And you can use tools like SEMrush or Ahrefs, or if you don't have one of those SEO tools, when you search the, the keyword into Google, Google has what people also search for, people also mm-hmm. ask. And you can kind of continuously expand that to see, okay, if someone searches that query into Google, these are some of the other questions that people like that also search for. And so when you when you identify those keywords that you're going after or those questions that you're going after, you can create a very robust and in-depth piece of content that answers all the various questions around that particular keyword subject. And if you make it really in-depth and really informative, and structured in a way that's easy to digest from Google and easy to to read and understand for users, then that not only increases your chance of ranking for particular keywords that you're answering in that in that piece of content, but that also when people develop content in the future around those topics, they can hopefully use your piece of content as a reference because a huge part of long-form content is that really robust long-form content that includes brand new research or just has a lot of informative information on it, hopefully people will link to it. People will, Mm -hmm. when they develop their content, they'll link to your piece of content or they'll share your piece of content on social. All those are good signals to Google that that piece of content is valuable and that it, it satisfies what that user is searching for because Google's job is to give you content that answers that particular person's query. Mm -hmm. So if you can develop a piece of content that answers all the aligning queries, and then they go to another keyword search, then that indicates to Google, okay, that, that piece of content satisfied that user's query. Now you mentioned structure and that's, that, that's also an important part of what's going to make Google happy, right? Mm -hmm. And get your, get your content ranked highly. So Let's talk about that a little bit. So you're writing a long, long form piece of content, trying to get as much information, useful information as in, in there as possible. What do you want it to look like? What are best practices around structuring that information? Absolutely. So uh, I like to format my pieces of content in Google Docs using HTML header forms. So mm-hmm. So kind of already putting it in HTML. So so you, the title of the blog will be the H1, and then you'll give an introductory into what the article will discuss. 
And then if the, the piece is robust enough, you can add a, a WordPress plugin. I, I believe it's called Table of Contents. That'll automatically create a table of contents for your piece of content so that if it's a very long form piece of content once they get through that introductory paragraph they can they can click on the anchor links of the headers below the piece of content to jump to various questions so especially with long form content i think that's that's a very great way to make it more accessible for users to navigate a long form piece of content so you have your your h1 topic that's pretty broad and then it's kind of hard to say it's a standardized way of doing it because there's so many different industries, so many different topics, but basically all the, the preceding headers will be the H2s. But let's say that that H2 is, is turning into a, let's say you need to break up that H2 further. Mm -hmm. So let's say there's different ways you can break it down. Then you would break down those sub those subtopics into h3s beneath that h2 and you can even take it further if you need to break down those h3s into h4s that's just a really clean way for google to crawl that page and understand Mm -hmm. the value and another very important aspect is to include a variety of media within that piece of content so that can be videos, that can be images, infographics, PDF downloads. All those kind of not only break up the content because, you know, if you're writing 2,000 words and it's only written content, that that can kind of be, I wouldn't say overwhelming, but just not very appealing to someone. They, You know, you, you kind of want to break it up with some images, with some video content, with just something to give it some some dimension so then you'll you know you'll continue writing it you'll continue formatting it and then eventually you'll just reach to the the end of the blog and typically what i like to do is a soft cta so i'd like to point them into another piece of content that is around that subject or just kind of get them to continue reading because another huge factor for content ranking in google is is pages per session so if if you can get a user to land on your top funnel piece of content from Google, but then they continue to go through more articles on your website, mm-hmm. ultimately funneling them down to the bottom service pages, that's a huge signal to Google that not only was that piece of content relevant, but the, the website in its entirety is, is relevant to the user and, and satisfies them. Okay. And so now we're we're getting, actually, you anticipated my next question, which was about using links strategically within a piece of content. So, and and so say, say a bit about that. Absolutely. So I, I'm a big believer that your website should be kind of like a spider web where everything's connected. And the way you do that is just internal linking. So when you start to develop content, what you want to do is figure out, okay, this blog, what is the main keyword that I, I would ideally like to go after? And you want to use you want to what I like to do is I create an internal links document where I list all the blogs that are on the website or all the the site pages that I would potentially link for, and I I I list the URL, but then I also include examples of anchor text to use. So when I'm drafting a new piece of content, I'll look through that that document and be like, okay, um, out of these let's say thirty pages, I think these ten 
pages on our website would be relevant to mention in this new piece of content and link to it. So in addition to that, you also want to include reference links or backlinks to other websites that you rank. So if you're, if you're writing about something and you found a piece of research that you need to cite, that's, that's very important that you cite it because, you know, Google wants to make sure that the content they're delivering is, is reputable. So you want to not only, you, you not only want to link back to that piece of content, but you want to make sure that that piece of content is legit and that it's, it's, you know, not made up or anything that it's a verifiable research. And a way that you can do that is to just see that how well it ranks in Google, how long it's been there. Because most likely if it's a if it's a, a a poor page that would ultimately hurt to link to, Google would probably catch it. So mm-hmm. okay. Wow, a lot of a lot of good ideas here. A lot mm-hmm. of so so creating long form content. It sounds pretty complicated to me, or it sounds pretty complex, or at least, or actually, I should say, each one of these things sounds doable, but that there's, you have to keep a lot of this in mind when you're, when you're writing and structuring a long form piece. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, developing a long form piece of content is a lot of work because, you know, kind of like what you mentioned, you know, people want that bite-sized content, which I also think is very valuable to create. You don't want to only develop long form content. You want to create a consistent content publishing schedule. And a way to do that is to create kind of shorter pieces that may maybe just answer a quick a, a quick highly searched question. So you can just create a piece of content around one highly searched question and just give a straightforward answer. Because th- that kind of content could also rank well or well, I shouldn't say rank well, but could potentially be featured as a featured snippet in Google if it's if it's straight enough to the point. So another strategy that I like to do is a long form piece of content. I like to call it a pillar piece, a pillar page. Mm-hmm. And what you can do is with that pillar page, if it's if it's really long, you can break it up into sub sub pillar pages. So, for instance, a piece of content I developed recently was on the most popular e-commerce niches. So kind of categories that that people can go after that are very popular to sell or or successful to sell. And so the blog itself was was super, super long. It It was kind of too long in a way. And I thought it'd be better to break it up. And so I had six different e-commerce niches. And I structured it as noggin.com slash e-commerce dash e-commerce dash niches and then for the six categories the six niches that were in that page i created a sub page beneath it so the the e-commerce niches main page basically linked to the six other pages Mm -hmm. and they were structured in a way that that made it sense for Google that it was all part of the same kind of hierarchical umbrella. So it was, it was structured, for instance, one of the sub pages would be noggin.com slash e-commerce niches slash whatever the niches. And then all the, 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 the sub pages were in that, in that structure. So that's a great way to kind of break up your content and and also make it more digestible for the user because the main e-commerce niches page, it kind of gave a a short overview. So if someone was wanting to digest what the e-commerce niches were from an overview, it would give them a quick paragraph overview. But then if they clicked on that header, 
it would link to a more in-depth sub pillar page about that particular niche. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, you know, one thing that you haven't really brought up is how to use the keyword or keyword phrase in the actual piece that you're writing. And I ask because, and, you know, I'm by no means any expert on this, but it's my understanding that it used to be, if you go back far enough, people would use keyword stuffing as a strategy and just mm -hmm. throw the keyword in there as many times as possible as a way to kind of game the algorithm. But mm -hmm. that now you either can't do that or if you do, you'll be, you'll be punished for it. That Google, mm -hmm. you know, has changed the algorithm to dissuade people from doing that. But still, you, you need to use the keyword or keywords at least somewhat in your article, right? So how, what, are, what is a strategy for how to use particular words and particular phrases in the article that are going to, you know, that are, that are going to help you with Google? Sure. So when you when you draft a piece of content in your in, in a Google Doc, what I like to include is at the top a list of the keywords and competitors. And so for a particular keyword search, I'll just search it into Google and see who is currently ranking at the top for that keyword. And using a tool like SEMrush or Ahrefs, you can enter in that particular page and get an exact list of the keywords that that page is ranking for. So that can kind of show you what are other aligning keywords that you can use in that article or other keywords or topics or questions that you can include. A thing, you don't want to necessarily keyword stuff, but you want to have a primary keyword. And then with that primary keyword, you'll naturally have what's called, you, you naturally want to use what's, what's called LSI keywords, which is latent semantic in, index, something like that. But basically what it means is is a keyword that is kind of a synonym or, or aligns with it. So if someone is searching for mm. cars, an LSI keyword would be automobile. Mm. So you don't want to keyword stuff like you mentioned. But, you know, if you're writing about a particular top topic, you'll naturally just incorporate that keyword. And that's and that's kind of what Google is looking for. They want to see that it's a natural flow, that it's not it's not just a link hub. That, that it's it's a informative, engaging piece of content. And another thing I'd want to include is that you want to optimize your title tag and meta descriptions, and then also the URL for that page. So when you identify what keywords are best uh, that, that you're trying to go after for a particular piece of content, you want to include that primary keyword in your title tag or that keyword phrase, and then you'd also want to include it in your URL slug. And a great strategy to get a higher click-through rate is, is a couple things. You can use brackets in your title tag. There was a study from HubSpot that showed that titles with brackets perform 33% better than titles without. Hmm. Another thing is to use numbers in your title tag. So you'll so a lot of pages that rank really well in Google that get a lot of engagements are kind of more of the listicles mm -hmm. because they're they're easy to format they're engaging for people. So if someone is searching for let's say headphones mo most of the most of the the top results will most likely be the top 10 headphones for every budget in 2022 mm. or something. And you'll notice that it not only had a number to indicate the the number of headphones I would mention, but it also it also included the year that it's going after. So that's another mm. good strategy to make it kind of 
signal to Google that this is a freshly published piece of content. Mm -hmm. um, and another thing to use is power words in the title tag. So these are words like insane, fast, effective, definitive, guide, scientifically, instant, free, new. Those kind of keywords get, get better engagement. And not only that, they're, they're emotive. So adding emotion to the title tags really helps increase not only the click-through rate, but also your likelihood that that piece of content will get shared on social media platforms. Because there was a study by CoSchedule that found that that title tags with an emotional score, so that's kind of their system for assessing how emotive a particular title tag is for a piece of content, got around a thousand more shares than content that didn't. Mm. Interesting. So what's that you said about tags uh, or not tags, brackets? What, what yeah, is that? Brackets. So, so just something that would, you'd be top five, top five reasons to switch to an enter, enterprise e-commerce platform. And then in brackets, you can say, make sure to check out number four. Ah, okay. So why is that effective? It's, it was just kind of a, a, a study by HubSpot that they just found that, that, hmm. Title tags with brackets just got better click-through rates. It's, you know, kind of mm. a lot of SEO is just reverse engineering and just seeing, you mm. know, what what Google is ranking for and then just kind of reverse engineering it from there. Okay. So it's it's not always 100% clear why, but you're like, mm -hmm. well, just try it. And if yeah, it works, it, it works. Okay. And that's, and, that's, and that's a great thing about content is that you can publish content and you should constantly... Not, I wouldn't say constantly, but periodically audit what mm. content you have. Assess, okay, this pub, this piece has been published for six months. Have we gotten any keyword rankings? What what is what are we ranking for? Um, are we getting any social shares? And then you can kind of assess it and revise it accordingly. Make it more in depth if you want. Maybe there's a particular keyword search that. You're, you're starting to rank for, but you're in the 80s or something. You know, you're on page eight of Google. Well, if you kind of make that section more robust, you can hopefully increase your keyword rankings there. Mm -hmm. And then another great strategy for figuring out what title tags and meta descriptions to use is to just look at the paid ads. You know, these are the ads that people are actually paying for. Yeah. And you can you can just check out, okay, what kind of language are they using? Because, you know, they're actually paying for it. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Well, this has just been a wealth of information, Jack. Really great stuff. So how can people connect with you? So I'm on LinkedIn, just Jack Scullin. And I also have a, a course kind of teaching people exactly what I do. It's called the Advertising Manifesto. And it basically includes 12 resource and lesson guides, video lessons, and a template of my editorial calendar and kind of long form content templates. Mm -hmm. Okay, that sounds great. I'm. I think I'll check it out myself. Uh, great, great. You know, this this has been tantalizing. You've you've given me personally a lot to think about. So, and I'm sure for our audience as well. Well, thanks so much for a great conversation. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. That's it for this episode of the B2B Content Show. You can subscribe anywhere you get podcasts on any podcast app. And while you're at it, you might as well give the show five stars and leave an over-the-top comment about how much you love the podcast. 
If you'd like to be a guest on the show or you know someone who you think would be a great guest, let us know. You can contact me at jeremy at conversa.com. That's C-O-N-N-Versa.com. The B2B Content Show is brought to you by Conversa Podcasting. Check us out at conversa.com to learn more about how we help B2B brands start podcasts to connect through conversation with the buyers and decision makers you need to get to know to grow your business. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.